been around Carl and Jess Mutzelberg. Three, three words I think of when I think of this couple. Genuine, leaders, and innovative. I don't know many churches that close down their Sunday morning service to go for a job. But I don't know of any other church in Australia. And um, last 17 months, we've probably been in 40, 50 plus churches around Australia. We do now. I don't know any other church that does this. But to see those pictures up there and, and all those folks there from your town, thousands of people as well I hear come out, we're going, what, what the heck is the church doing in the park Sunday morning? And just that connection to the community. So congratulations. Well done. You do a fantastic job leading this church. Really want to commend you on all your innovative ways. Such an authentic, genuine couple of great leaders in Australia. You know, a wonderful job. Why don't you welcome me, clap me. Thanks for that. Thank you. Laid hands upon me 
and began to pray the power of God, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit that night. Did I speak in tongues? Actually, I didn't that night. Actually, all I did was yell a fair bit. But they just stood there kind of yelling, Whoa! I think there were a few squatters leaving the building. I think there was an eviction process going on. God was cleansing this temple out of some invaders and some squatters that had taken up residence, as it were. And I remember going home that night filled with a deep sense of peace. A deep sense of peace seems an inadequate word to describe how I felt in my soul. And I remember Pastor Jim Keane standing, I still remember so clearly on the right hand side of me, laying hands on me while I'm kind of having my eviction process going on while I'm getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember him saying, just speak in tongues, son, just speak in tongues. But I think God was up to something else at that moment. I went home that night filled with the Spirit, yet not speaking in tongues. A week later, Pastor Jim gave another old call to be filled with the Spirit, and I thought, well, that was interesting last week. I'll have another go at this. So I went out in front again. Pastor Jim saw me, took me out the back this time. Probably for good reason. I remember in the hallway of the church, him laying hands upon me, and again, the power of God. You have to remember, I was, I was 19, knew nothing about the Scriptures, I'd only come to Christ, though, and I was a total babe in the things of God. God, I think, was giving me experiences to reassure me of how true and faithful and good He is. I remember standing in that hallway as the power and presence of Jesus was, was not just a, a theological reality, it was a manifest reality. As I felt the power of God, I believe God has designed us to experience Him, to know Him. Absolutely, intellectually, totally. I'm into that. I've just uh, graduated from a master's. wasn't satisfied with that. just got myself a diploma and another topic just recently. I love using my brain and my mind. But God goes beyond that, that we might know Him in our emotions, in our feelings, in every realm of our being. And I remember the power of God, and I felt like I was on fire from my waist up with a sense of the majesty of Jesus Christ. At that time, a beautiful language I had never learned flowed out of my mouth. This wonderful tongue, this gift from heaven, enabled me to worship God, enabled me to praise Him, enabled me to worship Him in a way that deepened my worship, deepened my prayer life, deepened my sense of the reality of God. Now, that's a fairly unusual experience. But the great thing is, it's in the Bible. It's not an experience I'm making up of my own. It's solidly grounded in the Word of God. And I, and I want to take you to the Scriptures tonight and show you a number of things about being filled with the Spirit, being baptized with the Spirit. Um, the terminology is interchangeable throughout the New Testament, giving us different word pictures to describe this, what is essentially, in essence, the same experience. But giving us different ideas of the, the Spirit falling upon us the Spirit coming upon us, us being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized, the word baptism means, literally means to be plunged into, to be immersed, to be saturated and soaked into the Holy Spirit. The very first occasion you find this is in Acts chapter 2. The day of Pentecost came. The day of Pentecost was a great celebration of the wheat harvest, the grain harvest that Israel had every year. 
that would celebrate the bringing in of the harvest. It was a time of great joy because the, the fields, their crops were harvested and they would gather together and say, thank you, Lord, for the harvest. Thank you, we get to eat again. Thank you, we get to trade with the nations around us because we have something to trade. When this feast came, they were all together, 120 disciples in the upper room in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. I wouldn't mind. I've been in one meeting where I've heard this sound, one meeting only, for 40 years of following the Lord, in a meeting where there was a sound like a, a movement across the roof of a violent gust of wind. I wouldn't mind if this experience happened to us today. Anyone else would like that? Who would come be like, whoa, what is that? I would. It would heighten my sense. Oh God, you're amazing. And this, the sound of a wind came. Like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. They had supernatural vision to see what looked like fire on people's heads in the room. They separated and came to rest on each of them. So fire would burst out upon Peter and then upon Mary and upon James, upon Thomas's fire on their head, a supernatural fire that did not burn like the burning bush of Moses. It didn't harm them, didn't, didn't burn them, that didn't smell of smoke. It was a fire of God that God sends to his people. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I find that very unusual. Because if I was God, I wouldn't do this. If I was God and I was pouring out my spirit upon my people and my church, you know what I would do? I would give them an anointing to wash windows, to mow lawns, to cook meals. An anointing that they would just go, Whoa! Did you feel that? I'm going home now to cook a meal for my neighbor. And I'm going to give it to my neighbor and say, power of God came upon me. And I cooked this amazing spaghetti bolognese, inspired by the God of heaven. And I brought it to you because God loves you. Imagine mowing your neighbor's lawn and powered by the Holy Spirit. You rush to the door and say, I mowed your lawn under the anointing of the Lord. Supernatural lawn mowing. Or maybe you just go and stand there and go, down and go to the lawn. Why didn't God, when He poured out His Spirit, pour out an empowering upon an army who would just explosively do unbelievable good works in the community? Why do something weird? Because if you don't think Speaking in a language you've never learned. If you think that's normal, okay, we disagree. I think it's very strange that the gift God would give is a, is a language I've never learned that flows out of me, not because of anything I've done, but just because I've positioned myself to receive and to respond. I, I mean... Maybe it's a West Australian thing, but I think that's downright strange. It just goes to prove a West Australian is not God. 
to the infilling of the baptism of the Spirit at any level at all. You ever had an argument with the wife after the run? We were good at the park, then we got home, and we had to blow up after lunch, and I'm here at church, and I feel miserable, I feel guilty, I don't believe I'm praying for me, because God's not going to come through for me. I remember the only time I've ever preached angry in my life. It's many years ago in India, on a mission trip, and the pastor there would serve a little bit of money into this mission in India, and the pastor um, had kind of utilized the money, but he utilized it, hadn't told his people where it had come from. He actually gave everyone the impression that it was his money. And he, in front of my whole group, and his team of about 12, 14 from our church, kind of told a bunch of his key leaders that kind of he had provided this money, and there we were standing there. And I talked to him afterwards, I said, well, I don't think that's absolutely right. Our church gave you that money, and I think you need to acknowledge the source of it. Well, then we had just a stand-up argument. I wasn't going to give him it. It was a point of integrity. And he was backing at me and saying I was wrong and accusing me of kind of muscling in on his territory. And he was, we ended up, it was terrible. We were pretty well yelling at each other. We went straight from that meeting, private meeting, into a church meeting where I preached and he interpreted <laughs> It wasn't funny. Why are you laughing? That was horrible. I was angry. He was furious. And I preached something and he'd be, I'm not sure if he's yelling at me or the crowd. I thought, God, I finished. And, you know, we did the deal and finished. And we're waiting for the bus outside. We get on the bus, take us back to our hotel. And I thought, ah, oh, this is just bizarre. We reconciled before we went home, which was good. But a person came up to me out of the crowd who was standing in the car park and said, uh, there's a lady here tonight who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit and would like you to pray for her. I thought, God, I am the last person to be praying for anyone right now. I felt miserable, felt guilty, felt off. And I kind of like to say, well, you know, we're kind of about to get on the bus. And she insists. I said, okay, bring her over. We'll give her a go. But there is no way. I am just... Really not where I should be. And the Lord, okay, we'll give it a Light hands on, no faith. Just despondent, despairing, because totally fixated with John King Bill. Thank you, God. Um, Lord, if you can kind of <coughs> fill the whole spirit, she's just going in tongues. I'm going, okay, it's got nothing to do with me, obviously. Okay, Lord, keep going, here we go. Then I started to feel pretty good about myself. Well, here we go. Anyone else? Line it up now. It is not dependent upon your righteousness, upon your place. You might feel as guilty as sin about a sin. Tonight, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Tonight, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That argument you have in your head about, I'm not worthy, I'm not up for it, I'm... It's a free gift. Can I put it this way to you? It's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. You're not going to get the bill for this. It's fantastic. I went out to lunch with Philip and Mandy today. It's always nice going out to lunch with Philip and Mandy because they pay for me. They had a lovely steak, some salads, great vegetables, and coffee, a bit of sparkling water. And we get up to leave, and Philip pulls out his wallet, and I said, This is going really well. <laughs> Philip paid the bill. I think Mandy paid the bill, actually. Lunch. Life's paid the bill. It's a free lunch for me because someone else has already paid. 
bottle up. It's free. It's handed to you regardless. Regardless. Some of you are thinking right now, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. But you can ignore it, whatever it is. God will give you His Spirit to help you overcome that thing. Thank you, brother. Because that was just unbelievable preaching. <laughs> Another reason why I believe the gift of tongues comes to us and it's quite a fascinating thing. If you want to understand the Holy Spirit in terms of the New Testament, the guy you read is Luke. He wrote two books in the New Testament, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. 26% of the New Testament. Yet what's remarkable is that 60% of references to the Holy Spirit in terms of that title are in Luke's 26% of the New Testament. He talks and mentions the Holy Spirit in his Gospel of Luke more than all the other three writers of Gospels put together. So if you want to get an understanding, and I think the way Luke was birthed into the kingdom in, in Acts 16 gives you an idea of why he was so interested in the work of the Spirit, because he was birthed in, in a sense of great supernatural movement as Paul is church planning in Acts 16. But Luke has this deep interest in the work of the Spirit. So Luke will often mention about people getting filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, and there's something quite amazing about every single time he does this. And I want to show you this in a few scriptures and help you understand why the gift of tongues is the onflow of being filled with the Spirit. And tonight, if you have, uh, today, tonight, wherever the time is at the moment, if you have never spoken in tongues, tonight is your night to be filled with the Spirit and receive this wonderful gift, yeah. this powerful gift. Yeah. If tonight your tongue is, is kind of like, you know, I don't feel like it's a river, it's a bit like a creek job. A trickle, it's a dribble. It hardly seems apparent. Tonight is your night to break through to another level. If you're already a person who flows in the gift of tongues, I want to show you tonight how to use your tongues in even more significant and powerful ways before you go home today. In fact, what we want to do today before you go home is we want to have laid on the hands of every single person in the building. Ushers, lock the doors right now. We're going to have mandatory oracle. And I'm from West Australia. I am bossy. I want you all to come at the end of this meeting. Have someone lay hands upon you and receive a brand, fresh outpouring of the Spirit. Who would like to be filled with fresh of the Spirit this afternoon? Who would like to be filled with the Spirit? I'll ask it again. I want your response. Who would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit this afternoon? I'd like it a little bit louder because I'm from West Australia. Who would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit this afternoon? I told you, I am boss. My car says, only come once a year, John. The hunger and thirst. Jesus promised you will be filled. It's Jesus. Thirst for me, hunger for me, you're going to be filled. I'm going to show you this key element of, I believe, why the gift of tongues is given to the filling of the Spirit. First one we see is in Luke chapter 1, verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, Mary, the mother of Jesus, baby leaped in her womb. It's John the Baptist. Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. And in a loud 
Lord should come to me. And you will see this repeated every single time somebody in Luke and Acts has mentioned being filled with the Spirit is that it affects their language every single occasion. And on this occasion, Elizabeth prophesies and declares insight and truth about Mary, about the babe to be born, who would be her Lord. You go on to the second one, same chapter, verse 67. His father, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did he do? Roll around the floor? No. Jump up and down? No. Cook spaghetti bolognese for neighbors? No. What did he do? He prophesied. It affected his language. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. There was a page in my Bible to Luke chapter 2, verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, and said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in prayer. My eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon has the Holy Spirit upon him. He's moved by the Spirit. These are different terms and languages to help us get a multifaceted view of what happens when we're filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit moves me and picks up Jesus, he begins to pray. Prayer begins to flow from me. You jump over to Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And the devil said to him, verse 3, You are the Son of God. Tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written. People do not live on bread alone. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, moved by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, speaks the Word of God. The Word of God that he's known as a child and as a young man comes back into his heart and he goes into a spiritual battle with the Scriptures flowing from his mouth. You come over to Acts. We've already seen Acts chapter 2, verse 4. They begin to speak in other tongues. We go over to Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to give an account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, that you and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Peter is filled with the Spirit and begins to give a reason for his faith. He begins to witness of Christ and begins to share the gospel. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. The presence of God comes upon the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and their language is changed. I'll give you one more, but I can keep going through the book of Acts. This happens again and again and again. Verse 55. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God. Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, see heaven open. Son of man standing at the right hand of God. You'll find in every single occasion in Luke's writing, when the Holy Spirit comes upon someone, it affects their language. And this is what it's meant to be for you and I. This is why I believe God has given the gift of tongues. See, language, when it was first created by the Lord, was not used for communication. The very first words spoken that we have recorded in the Bible are not for communication, they're for creation. Let there be light is not a communicative 
language being spoken, it's a creative language being spoken. And you are given language not just for communication. I don't believe this is the number one reason you and I have been given language. You and I, out of everything and everyone on the planet, have been given language to create in the image of God who is a creator. You and I are born to create. And one of the main methods of creation is this. How does that work? Over the next few days, I'm here with Carl and Jess and the team. One of my goals through these next few days is to create more courage in this fine man's heart. As a leader, I want to see pastors of Australia just bursting with bravery and courage to take the steps of faith they need to be. So over the next three or four days, I'm going to keep saying things to this man to build his strength, to build his courage. I am going to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, say enough into his heart. By the time I get on the plane on Wednesday, he'll be saying, John, could you hang around a few more days? Because when you're hanging around and when you're talking to me, I just feel like I can take Ipswich. I feel like I can impact Brisbane. I feel like I can impact the nations of the world. I can create strength and courage in this great couple's heart through this little thing here. I create my future. You can partner with God to create your future. One of the, one of the scriptures has been strong in my heart the last two years, but the bit of verse has been with me for 40 years, Proverbs 4.18, the path of the just is like a shining light. It's like a dawning light, and it shines brighter and brighter and brighter until the fullness of the day, until midday. And that scripture has kind of just erupted in my heart the last couple of years, and as I've looked at my future, I've said, Lord... My path, I'm a just one before you. I've been justified through Jesus. My path is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And I'm creating, my path is so bright, in a little while I'm going to need sunglasses to see it. Like I do in the middle of the day in Perth. You get out in the middle of the day in the sun in Perth, and that light is bright, bouncing off the Indian Ocean. I'm going to put my sunnies on because of the brightness of the light. My path is going to be that bright, God. My path is not doom. My path is not gloom. My path is not depression. My path is not poverty. My path is not down, 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 down. Oh, oh, getting, oh, My path is getting brighter and brighter. Unto the fullness of the day. Thank you. Life and death. I can hear you arguing in your head with me. God creates our future, absolutely, and He's looking for a very good looking partner, and you're it. He looks for you to partner up, that what He's given you would fill your heart. So out of your heart, out of here, will come this word. I have another scripture that is painting my future. Psalm 5 verse 2. Your favor is a shield. That verse when I got in my heart a couple years ago, I prayed that so regularly. God, I thank you for favoring me. I thank you that I'm your favorite. Anyone else here feel like they're God's favorite? Everyone on the planet, everyone on the planet should feel like they're God's favorite. Lord, favor me. Pick me. Choose me. You've already chosen me. My goodness. I'm already on your team. Oh, you already wanted me. I'm already accepted. Whoa, ho, ho. Your favor is a shield to me. I'm protected because you're favoring me. It's better than saying, ooh, ooh, ooh. Better than being fearful and worried and anxious and fretful. You've been 
your children's hearts, their future. To speak a word. We've got a little grandchild, Jack, he's three years old. We've got a new grandson since I was here last Reese is three months old. Well, now pause for the two hour slideshow that I presented. I, I get Jack, he's three years old, you know, and I get him, I give him a look in the eyes and Jack, I love you. I love you. And he goes, and I goes, love you too. Love you too. I'm creating with him an absolute security that his granddad loves him deeply, unreservedly, unconditionally. And I think tongues has given us to remind us your language is given to create the future. There's also tongues we use language to communicate, connect. Tongues is a wonderful way, just a brilliant way to communicate with God. Acts 2.11 says we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Tongues is a great way to worship the Lord. When you run out of things to say and praising God and magnifying God, you can switch to tongues and just begin to praise Him and magnify Him with that tongue. When you begin to pray for a situation and you run out of words in English or you don't even have any words to begin with, you begin to pray in tongues. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I pray with my spirit, I pray in tongues, I pray with my understanding. I'll sing with my spirit, I'll sing with my understanding. I'll sing with my native tongue. I'll pray with my native tongue. I'll pray also in tongues for that situation. I found sometimes I've had a burden for a person, a situation I've been facing, and I, I haven't known how to pray. It just seems like it could go left, it could go right. And I'll just sometimes just begin to pray in tongues for that person. And it's not mindless tongues. I'm not really keen on mindless tongues. We just go, oh, off you go. I like to think about people when they pray in tongues. I, I was thinking about you guys this afternoon. This morning, I was preparing for this meeting. And thinking about the auditorium here. Thinking about who was here. Just praying in tongues over this meeting. Praying things from my heart, my spirit. I don't understand it up here at all. But what a wonderful way to pray for people you love. People you care for. People you want to minister to. And then my last thought about this whole area of tongues, not only language, not only be given to us to create and communicate, but it's really an amazing thing about this little beast. Has anyone got into any sort of trouble ever by anything you said? <laughs> You've got a young boy over there putting his hand up. James says this, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them fast, we can turn the whole animal. Take ships, although they're so large, driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small runner where the pilot wants to go. But the tongue is like a fire, a world of evil amongst the parts of the body. James wasn't holding back. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. James was a pretty black and white sort of guy. Mainly because he was the half-brother of Jesus and once accused Jesus of being insane. I think that's why he's so strong when, it, when in deep embarrassment after the resurrection when Jesus appeared to him. Oh, yeah. I didn't really mean that he should be in the mental hospital, Jesus. It was just a turn of phrase, like, kind of like, Help! And 
don't think the gift of tongues is given to us to remind us, because it's very hard to criticize when you're speaking in tongues. It's very hard to speak resentful, bitter speech when you're speaking in tongues. It's very hard to gossip when you're speaking in tongues. It's very hard to blaspheme when you're speaking. It's very hard to swear when you're speaking in tongues. It's like God says, I am going to get a hold of the rudder, the bit, the thing that causes you such heartache and does damage to so many people. And I am going to tame this little thing. When you speak in tongues, it's a reminder to you that God has sent you His power and His Spirit to sanctify this little, this little instrument, this little element of your life that is so powerful. And He wants to cleanse it, sanctify it, and empower you that out of this will not flow criticism, it will flow encouragement. It won't flow gossip. It will bring prayer. Won't flow of putting down people, it'll throw building up of people. And we'll change the course of our language and our life. As God has got a hold, God has got a hold of this. Let's make keyboard for this and I want you to get down on There you are, the half marathon now. Why don't you stand with me? Today? I want everyone to come who has been part of the prayer team this afternoon. If you're on the prayer team, I just want you to come and stand out in front. Every single person is on the prayer team. 